my soul. And uh, if it hasn't done that for you, then uh, tonight would be a great night to take care of that, uh, to make sure that uh, you are saved and part of his family. And uh, Psalm 40 is verse, uh, Psalm 40 is where we're going to be tonight. And so if you take your Bible and turn over there, Psalm 40. And as you're turning there, if you're able to physically stand, I would invite you to do that. Psalm 40 and verses 7 and 8 is where we're going to be tonight. Psalm 40, verses 7 and 8. The Bible says this in Psalm 40, verse 7. Then said I, lo, I come. In the volume of the book it is written of me. I delight to do thy will, O my God. Yea, thy law is within my heart. Let's pray together one more time. Lord, thank you for a good service thus far, for the good music, uh, for uh, just these children and their wonderful verses that they mentioned. So as again, we come to this, I pray you speak to our heart. Only you can. I pray, you, Lord, you'd use your word to change our lives and draw us closer to you. And uh, Lord, I pray that uh, there would be a focus tonight on the Word of God and the will of God. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. you. may be seated. I'd like to start tonight by asking this question, what do you want to be remembered for? What do you want to be remembered for? What do you want your legacy to be? Uh, would it, do you want to be remembered for a certain accomplishment? Do you want to be remembered for a certain attribute that you have? Uh, here in uh, Psalm 40, in verse number uh, seven, verses 7 and 8, uh, we have really the legacy of uh, ultimately the Messiah, Jesus Christ. This was a prophetical, a messianic psalm. And uh, in verse number eight, here is the legacy of the Lord Jesus Christ. I delight to do thy will, O my God, yea, thy law is within my heart. And uh, I think that I wouldn't have anybody here tonight who would argue with me in saying that Jesus had the perfect life. He, had, he lived a perfect and sinless life. Now, obviously, God's not calling us to do exactly what Jesus did as far as uh, becoming the uh, sacrifice for sin or um, being born in Bethlehem uh, main, through a virgin, through virgin Mary. Uh, no, but uh, ultimately it was said that he delighted to do God's will for his life and the word of God was, it, was within his heart. Uh, Hebrews chapter 10 and verse number 5 uh, gives us, and we're not going to go there tonight, but uh, that's the New Testament uh, reference to this particular uh, segment of Scripture. Uh, Hebrews chapter 10 refers to Jesus Christ, and it quotes Psalm 40, verses 6 through 8. And uh, so, so really, this was the legacy of the, of the Lord Jesus. And it should then be the ultimate legacy that uh, we try to desire, we, we, should, we ought to desire in our own hearts as well, in our own lives, that we would leave to the next generation, that we would also be remembered for delighting to do the will of God, 
and having the word of God, the law, within our heart. That, that would be a great thing to be remembered for. Far greater than, you know, oh, he started this company and he did all this. And, and uh, I don't know if it's, uh, you know, Brother Doyle uh, went to glory here not just a few days ago. And it's kind of caused me to think back to, you know, what, what do you want, my, what, what do I want my life to be remembered for? What do I want to be remembered for? Ah, oh, he was a great guy. Ah, oh, he liked hockey. I mean, those are okay. Um, but I want to be known as a man who delighted to do the will of God and that the word of God was within his heart that caused him to want to do the will of God. And so tonight I want to break this, the, this verse, especially verse number eight down, and look at the four keys to leaving the ultimate legacy and really the, ultimate, the four keys to living the ultimate life. If we're going to leave the ultimate legacy, we've got to have the ultimate life. And uh, so let's, let's look at this verse and, and break it down a little bit and dissect it and uh, take it piece by piece and learn the four keys that we need to have in our life uh, to leave the ultimate legacy for the next generation. First of all, if we're going to do this, we're going to have to have the attitude. The right attitude. In verse number 8, it starts with these two words. I delight. I delight to do thy will, O my God. Now the word delight here means to incline to. Like you want to do it. You're leaning towards it. It means to desire, to favor, to be pleased with, to have pleasure in. And so as Jesus did the will of God, it wasn't something that he was fighting against. It was something that he enjoyed. He, he delighted in it. He had pleasure in it. And as we think of the will of God for us, it's not something to go, ah, I know it's the will of God for me to do this, but man, I don't want to do it. Ah. It should be something we desire, we have pleasure in, that we want to, that we incline ourselves to. Now, obviously, there's a lot of things in this world we would consider uh, delightful in this life. You know, maybe it's a certain food or a certain recreation or a, uh, something that you really enjoy doing. Well, if we're going to have the ultimate life, the thing that should bring us the most delight, the most pleasure in our life should be the will of God. Uh, we know that this was the case for the Lord Jesus, and of course, he was perfect. We're not, uh, but... Uh, the Lord Jesus in John chapter number 4, in verse 34, Jesus said unto his disciples who brought him food to eat, in John chapter 4, he said, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. He said, What brings me the greatest pleasure, the greatest delight in my life is to do the will of God. And uh, I want to encourage all of us to have that same mentality when it comes to our life that we delight in doing the will of God. Now, the truth of the matter is that the will of God really is the best possible option for all of our lives. Uh, if God came down and asked you or asked me to go and, and, and pick all the details for my life, you know, uh, like a lot of times now, I, I think last Sunday after we um, after the fifth Sunday fellowship, uh, later in the evening we decided to order some some takeout and uh, to have it delivered because I had a I had a pretty good coupon. And so you know 
all these apps now have all these customizing options. You know, if you want extra this or no this or light this, you, you can customize, you know, every aspect of your order. Okay. Uh, if you have the ability to customize every aspect of your life and say, here's the ultimate life. You know, I want, I want to live here. I want to make this amount of money. I want to uh, have this type of a job. I want to go to this type of a church. You, you start naming, you know, this ultimate customized life. And then you were to compare that to the will of God. The will of God would trumpet every time uh, by far. If you, if you had the ability to live out that customized life that you picked and you had then the opportunity to, to see what it looked like if you lived out God's will for your life, I guarantee every one of us, every one of us would decide, I, I, want, I want God's will. The problem is we don't have that option to uh, live those out and then compare and make the decision. Uh, we just have to make the decision ahead of time. And I want to encourage all of us to understand that God's will for us is the very best possible option for us. Um, let's see, Jackson is, is here. Jackson, would you mind coming on up here, bud? As he makes his way on up here, um, right before I left California, um, there, was a, there was a man in our church there who was, who was just a, a good friend. He, he's uh, just a friend in the ministry. Even to this day, every once in a while, he'll text me encouraging texts. And, you know, he's a, he's a big Dodgers fan, so whenever the Dodgers and Cubs play, he sends me discouraging texts. But, um, but, but most of all, you know, he'll say, praying for you, preacher, praying for you, brother, you know, on Sunday mornings, and I'll get a text like that every once in a while. Well, he wanted to be a blessing uh, to me and another staff member prior to, uh, prior to uh, me leaving there in California. And so he, he took both of us. He said, hey, I want to I I buy you guys a suit. And so we met at the church, and, and uh, we all got, got in the same vehicle, and he took us to this suit shop. And so we get in the suit shop, and he says, all right, you guys look around, get any suit you want. So obviously he was, you know, he does, he does pretty well uh, financially to be able to do that. And so we're looking around, and, 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 I, and I, see this, I see this suit, and I'm like, I've got to have that suit. That's, that's a great one. And so he's like, hey, it looks good on you. It does well. Um, I mean, sometimes the suit makes the man, but in this case, the man makes the suit. Okay. <laughs> anyway. So I got, I got this suit, and, and the suit that I picked out, one I'm wearing right now. This is the one that I picked out that day. And uh, after we picked out the suit, he, he paid for them, and then he said, okay, well, we're going to go to the tailor and, and get, them, get, get them fitted just for you. And so uh, right across the parking lot or maybe around the corner or something, there was the, uh, the tailor. And so we went to the tailor, and and uh, typically, whenever I buy a suit, I never, I never tailor my jacket. But, but on this one, the, the tailor looked at it and he said, oh, we need to bring it in a, you know, a, a quarter inch or whatever it was. And, and uh, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna fix it up a little bit for you. And he paid for that tailoring as well for both of us. We both needed uh, quite a bit of tailoring. And, and so he paid for all of that. After that, he took us both to lunch and paid for it. I mean, it was, a, it was an expensive day for him. But he wanted to be a blessing to us. And then finally I picked up the, the suit, and, uh, and this, is, this, is, this is what it is. And, uh, and, it, and it fits me perfectly. 
I mean, well, as long as I don't eat too much, and you know how that goes. Uh, since become, I've developed a little pastor belly, so may need to get it tailored again. But here's the here's the deal. Um, this this was tailor made and, and custom fit for me. Okay. Well, let's see what happens when we put it on Jackson. Okay. Let's go ahead and put that on there. Okay. How does that look? How does that feel? It feels pretty good, right? So he's got a future in modeling, I think. You know. So um, maybe that's God's will for him. You know. Okay. Um, so obviously it doesn't fit him. It, it fits me perfectly, uh, but it doesn't fit him. And and the will of God for for Eric Johnson is tailor made to fit me perfectly but it's not tailor-made to fit you perfectly. Um, well, God's will for my life is to be married to Julie Johnson. Okay, That's not God's will for anybody else in this room. Okay, That is just for me. Um, God, in, in his sovereign plan, has his will for my life to be the pastor of Cornerstone Baptist Church right now. Um, and uh, that's God's will for me. And it's, it's not God's will for you at this point. Uh, maybe down the road, uh, but for right now, God has me doing that. And uh, God has me living here in Moore, Oklahoma, and he's given me the talents and the abilities and the opportunities that he's given me that he hasn't maybe given you. And uh, you say, well, I want, I want what you have. Well, if you did, it would look like this on you. It wouldn't, it wouldn't look right. Not that you don't look right. You, you're a pretty good-looking kid. But anyway, he's trying to make it. He's trying to make it look right, isn't he? <laughs> Let's see. <laughs> what a ham! What a ham! Okay. All right. We're, well, I think the, I think you all got the illustration here. Okay. Thank you. He's stealing the show. He's stealing the show. Uh. Okay, now, now we put, put it back on me, and obviously it fits, and it, and it looks like it's supposed to fit, okay? Um, God has a, a, the will of God for you that, that's not going to fit me. Uh, if I tried to do what, what, what God has you doing, it's, it's, it's not going to fit me. And uh, part of this is, is understanding that God has a perfect will for my life. That should cause me to delight in it. That should cause me to say, wow, God, you have something that's tailor-made just for me. I, I delight to do it. Um, and uh, God is able to do that. The, the problem is um, we do try to find our delight or our joy in the things of this world, and, and they do come up very empty. Um, when you do what you know God wants you to be doing, it, it brings a joy that is hard to really describe and put into words. And so here, Jesus, of course, had the, the right attitude as he did the will of God. He delighted in it. It was something that brought him great pleasure. And uh, as, as you think about what you're going to do, especially young people, if, as you're going to consider what you're going to do with your life, I would encourage you to have the right attitude as you think about the will of God and to delight in it. So first of all, it's very important for us to have the right attitude. That's, that's a key. Okay. Secondly, we, ha- we need to have the right um, here in verse 8, it says, I delight to do thy will, O my God. 
I delight to do thy will. It's great to have a desire to, for it. It's great to have the right attitude. But at some point, we actually need to do the will of God. Now, we talked a little bit a moment ago as I brought this, uh, as, as Jackson wore this, this jacket, that there is a unique will of God for each and every one of us. But there is also in the scriptures this principle of the universal will of God for, for all of us. That's the same for all of us. And uh, while I don't know what the unique will of God for, for you is, I do know what the universal will of God for all of us is. Uh, what are they? First of all, uh, and these aren't on your outline or on the screen, uh, but uh, you, can, you can take notes as, as, you, as you feel led to do so. Uh, but first of all, part of God's universal will for me and you both is that we would get saved. Uh, salvation is part of the universal will of God for each and every one of us. That is, um, that's God's will for Randy. That's God's will for me. That's God's will for Brother David. That's God's will for Zoe. That's God's will for everybody, is that we would all get saved. 1 Timothy 2 and verse 3 says, For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved. I'm under the knowledge of the truth. God will have all men to be saved. That includes me and that includes you. And so if you're, not here, if you're here and you're not saved, look, God's will for you is to get saved. And uh, again, if you're going to have the ultimate life, the old, leave the ultimate legacy, you're going to have to have the right actions. And part of it is to, first of all, step one, get saved. 2 Peter 3 and 9, verse 9 says, The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, and He is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God desires that everyone would come to Christ and be saved. Now, obviously, He knows that that's not going to happen. And uh, I was reading more about the, uh, the sovereignty of God versus the uh, free will of man, and uh, the, the balance in Scripture that it's not one or the other, it's both. It's, yes, God knows who's going to get saved, but, but we don't. And, 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 and uh, He's given all of us a free will, a free choice to choose. And so uh, I want to encourage you again, if you're here and you have never gotten saved, getting, doing God's will first and foremost is getting saved is coming to Christ and being born again, believing on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. So what is the universal will of God for us? Number one, get saved. Number two, give thanks. To live a thankful life. That is the will of God for all of us. 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse number 18, you can jot that reference down. It says, in everything, give thanks for... This is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. To live a life of gratitude. And if we don't, ladies and gentlemen, we're on the pathway the opposite direction. Romans chapter 1 uh, leads down a very horrible downward spiral of sin and debauchery. But, but it starts with, uh, neither were they thankful. And uh, I want to encourage all of us to live a life of gratitude. And that is doing God's will. If you're not living a 
a life of gratitude, you're not in the will of God. Uh, give thanks is a part of the right actions. Uh, next, living in purity. 1 Thessalonians, again in chapter 4 and verse 3, it says, For this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that ye should abstain from fornication. Uh, God wants His children, this is the will of God for His children, that live in purity. And uh, I realize it's, it's not popular now, and, and uh, you know, everybody's, everybody, you know, no one's, no one's waiting until they get married before they have uh, physical relations. No one's doing that anymore. Look, God's will, people, is still that you would stand at your wedding altar, pure, virgin, uh, in purity. God's will is for that to happen. Um, we do live in a day where it's very common for, for people to live together before, uh, before they get married, like it's, you know, uh, trying it out to see if it's going to work before you take the plunge. That's not God's will for, uh, for, for us in this, in this day and age. And, and I realize this day and age, that's not a popular thing to, uh, to, to bring up, but it's still the will of God that we would... Uh, abstain from fornication, uh, that we would live pure, godly lives. And by the way, this isn't just uh, for those who are not married. This also applies to those who are married, that we would keep our eyes and our, our minds pure and that we're not uh, involved in things that would uh, lead us down the wrong path in that way. God's will is that we would live in purity for everybody. Okay, This is God's universal will. Say, well, yeah, see, God may want me to be a doctor. Good. But you still need to live in purity. God may want me to be an IRS agent. Well, good. Not good, but okay. (laughs) I mean, if really that's God's will, then I'm I'm okay with that. But as long as you're living in purity, you're giving thanks, you've been saved. See? Uh, another, Another aspect to God's will that's universal to all of us and and there's more things we could go in through, but I'll end with this one here, and that is submitting to authority. Submitting to authority. Now, while there's no one verse that we can look to that says submitting to authority is the will of God, there's, there's no verse that says that exactly that way, but there are several passages that instruct us to submit to authority. Uh, one such one is Ephesians 6, 1 through 3. Uh, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is, what do the kids know? It's right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. And then he goes on and talks about how we're to do that, honoring your father and mother. Is there a spirit of Obedience and a spirit of honoring in the home, uh, young people? Are you doing what your parents tell you to do and uh, following their example and following their guidelines? And are you doing that in an honoring way? You know, there's the right action and, and the right attitude here as well. You know, uh, you can, you, your parents might tell you, hey, you need to stop hanging out with that friend or you might need to... Um, you know, do this, and, and you can do it, but you can have the, 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 the rotten attitude as you do. 
Um, see, uh, Paul said this, don't just obey your parents in the Lord, but also honor thy father and mother. Do it with the right honoring spirit. And there's other realms, too, of submission in our life. Uh, Romans 13 talks about our uh, submission to human government. And uh, no one really likes to uh, follow some of the laws. And, and here in America, obviously, there, there, there could very well come a time here in the very near future where we're going to need to say, I'd rather obey God. We, we ought to obey God rather than men uh, for certain things. But uh, the speed law is not one of them. I found out a few days ago. <laughs> Submitting to authority. Okay, God's will is that all of us would submit to authority and have a submissive spirit. Uh, I remember when I was a teenager, all the, all the rap music that uh, was coming out of that point was basically, a, there was a major spirit of rebellion in all that music. I don't even know if you call it music, that noise. And, uh, you know, fight, fight the cops and all that. Fight authority, fight your parents, you know, fight the man. And, of course, I don't know all, any of the lyrics right now, but uh, there was a spirit of rebellion in that, in that realm. And uh, a, lot of, a lot of our people have, have gone into that. And, and what has that led to? Uh, we, we see anarchy kind of happening in some of our cities over, uh, over somebody who died. Uh, Romans 13 does talk about submitting to uh, human government. Hebrews 13 talks about submitting to spiritual leadership in your life. Uh, Hebrews 13, 17 says this, Obey them that have the rule over you, and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls, as they must give account that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. What that verse is talking about here is in the spiritual realm, uh, pastoral leadership, and um, that uh, God has called me to watch for your souls, that I am uh, going to have to give an account uh, for not just my own life, but also for Cornerstone Baptist Church. And when I do, if I do it, it's going to be for joy if there's a submission there to that authority that God has set up. But uh, it's also possible that that account will be with grief. And if that's the case, it's going to be unprofitable, not just for me, but it's going to be unprofitable for you, those who chose not to submit to the authority. So there's the principle here of uh, submitting and submission to authority. Not always what we want to do. Uh, a lot of us kind of like to be our own authority, uh, but... It is something that God has called us to do and part of his universal will of God. See, knowing the will of God is important, but as Dr. Bob Jones Sr. once correctly said, true success is knowing and doing the will of God. So what part of God's will do you need to start doing tonight? Do you need to get saved? Take care of it tonight. Do you need to start submitting to authority in your, in your life, whether it be your parents or maybe wives submitting to their husbands? Um, maybe we need to uh, start submitting better to the ordinance of man, and I'm pointing to myself here. Uh, maybe we need to, uh, what, it, what, about, what about living in purity? Do we need to make some changes in 
perhaps some relationships, perhaps how we're doing some relationships, uh, maybe our internet usage. Um, are we living in purity? Remember, if we're going to have this ultimate life, we're going to have to have the right actions and do the will, the universal will of God. Give thanks as well, living a life of gratitude. Uh, so what part of God's will do you need to start doing today? Trust and obey, the song says, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Again, you can know what the will of God is, but knowing it doesn't really fix it. You've got to actually do it. You've got to have the right actions. So Jesus here, he delighted. He had the right attitude. He also had the right actions. He did the will of God, which wasn't easy always, obviously, uh, becoming my sin and yours, having, having the Heavenly Father turn his, turn his back on His Son, now, that was not easy. Dealing with the wrath of God that was meant for you and for me, that was not easy, but He still delighted to do His will. So the right attitude, the right action. Thirdly, uh, the third key is the right authority. I delight Thy will, O oh my God. I delight to do... Your will, God, not my own. It was Jesus who said this in Luke 11 and verse 2. He said unto them, When you pray, say, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven, so in earth. Lord, I want your will to be done. You are the authority. I want it to be your will, not my own. And it was also Jesus who prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane, not my will, but thine be done. Have you prayed that prayer? Have you said, Lord, it's not my will that needs to be done. I want your will to be done in my life and through my life. So it's not about getting your plan. It's about doing God's plan for your life. The psalmist said, David did, Psalm 23 and verse number 1, The Lord is my shepherd. That little phrase there is important. Notice he didn't say, I am the shepherd of my life. He said, the Lord is my shepherd. So in other words, I am the sheep and he is the shepherd, not the other way around. But a lot of us turn it around and say, Lord, you need to follow me over here because this is where I want to go. No, no, see, I'm not the shepherd. He is. He's the one that leads me. He's the one that guides me. Not me guiding and leading him. But a lot of times we like to lead him along and say, God, this is my plan. Would you please bless it and come on over here? No, the right authority to do thy will, oh my God. How many of you have ever seen a, a bumper sticker that says, God is my co-pilot? How many of you have seen a bumper sticker like that? A lot of us have. Um, well, Seth, uh, my son, just soloed an airplane about three weeks ago, which is a, a pretty big accomplishment and one of the most proud parent moments um, that I've ever had. For many months, he had a co-pilot who took over when things got dicey. There was a couple times that he shared with us. Probably didn't share everything, <laughs> especially not to mom. Uh, but uh, there was a couple times when uh, the co-pilot had to take over and, and do a couple things. But for the most part, uh, Seth was learning how to take off and land and, 
and uh, do some of the maneuvers necessary in the in the in the in the air. But uh, but a few weeks ago, as I mentioned, it was finally time for Seth to fly on his very own. And on the day of his solo, uh, he and his instructor went up and they went around. Uh, I don't know three three times or so, and uh, did a couple uh, stop and goes, and then uh, touch and goes, and then finally uh, they they landed, and then his instructor got out of the plane, gave him some last instructions, and then Seth was on his own. And uh, now there was no co-pilot; it was just Seth. Um, I was a little nervous about that. Uh, Julie was a little nervous about it. Seth was pretty excited about it, actually. He was like, finally, just, just me and my girl. He, he named his plane a girl, you know. Just me and my girl, no chaperones is, is, the, is the verbiage he used. I'm like, okay, this is getting weird. This is getting <laughs> uh, you like flying a little too much there, bud. Um, anyway, he got to go, and, and he, was, he got to be the pilot. Uh, we, we like to... You know, I wanted to go up there and, and like, hey, let me, let me take over because I, I just want to make sure you're going to be safe. Um, it, it's another thing like this, too. G, Julie and I, you know, we've been driving together for 20-plus years, over, way over 20 years. Um, and, and still, over 20 years of driving together, she still thinks she has a brake pedal on her side of the car. <laughs> it's the weirdest thing. We're, we're driving along, and, uh, and she sees the car in front of me put their brake pedal on, and she, you know. Okay. It, are there any other ladies that do that in here? Oh, boy. Okay. And, and some, some very bold ones who, yes, totally. And, and, uh, and, and every time, you know, there's somebody within, like, 18 miles in, in front of us that slows down, like, one mile an hour, it's like, you know. Um, Okay, now obviously she, to be fair, she actually has a good reason to do that because I've had more accidents and tickets than she's had in these 20 plus years. So she probably has, I, I give her some credit for that. Um, but here's the question, okay? Have you found yourself doing that with God? As he leads and guides you in your life? You know, as, as the Lord's leading, you're like, ah, no, let, let, I just have the steering wheel for a little bit because this isn't where I want to be going right now. Or uh, we're going a little too fast here. Let me just pump the brakes. Uh, but have you found that you pump the brakes and it doesn't really stop the car, Julie? Uh, <laughs> um, but as the Lord is guiding us, do we, are we tempted to take over or to trust and allow him to be the one leading and guide us? Look, let him have his way. Let him be the shepherd and lead and guide you to where he wants you to go. He is well capable of leading you. He knows what you and I can handle. He knows the direction we need to go. Trust him. I know it's not always easy. I know we like to kind of take control and say, I need to be the one leading and guiding this thing. But God is way smarter and way more wise about it than we are. The Lord really doesn't need my help or yours. Uh, he's actually well capable of handling this. I think about Abraham. Remember Abraham? God said, hey, I'm going to lead you and guide you to uh, uh, have children, and, and there's going to be a great nation, and, and uh, God, I, I'm going to pour out my blessings upon. There was just all these great promises. 
Abraham's going, well, that sounds wonderful, man. Crazy. Thank you for choosing me in this. And so God's will for him was the, to, to give birth and not for him, for uh, his wife. Um, and, 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 and you know what happened? He was kind of not going as fast as Abraham thought God should go. So he's like, let's give this a little more fuel. So he kind of takes over and kind of reaches over and pushes the gas pedal a little bit, tries to help God out. And so Ishmael is born. And uh, that did not exactly go real well, did it? The thing is, is when we try to take over and try to help God out, it, it usually it never ends well. Don't think God needs your help. Trust him. Let him be the pilot. He doesn't need a co-pilot. That's what Seth was trying to say to the instructor. Like, I don't need you anymore. Uh, you, can, you can just step off. I've got this. Um, and uh, he wasn't trying to be cocky at all. But uh, God says to all of us, I don't need your help. I, I've got this. You, you don't need to reach over and steer uh, you don't need to speed up or slow down. I've got this. I know the right timing. I know the right direction. I know where and when you need to go. Trust me. And so Jesus did. Um, he did trust him. And, and uh, the Father was his authority. He's my authority. And it is his will we are to do and not our own. So we need the right authority. Uh, lastly here, the last key to having the ultimate life so that ultimately we can leave the right legacy. We need to have the right anchor, the right anchor. Verse number delight, that's the right attitude. To do, that's the right action. I will, oh my God, that's the right authority. And here's the anchor in the last part of the verse. Yea, thy law is within my heart. This was the big key. Getting God's word in his heart and letting that guide and direct him. Psalm 119 and verse 11 says, Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. Thy testimonies are wonderful. Psalm 119 verse 129. Let's, let's turn over there. We're, we're in Psalms. Let's go to 119. I want to show you a couple verses here. Psalm 119 and verse 129 says, thy testimonies are, what's the next word? They're wonderful. The word of God is wonderful. It says, therefore doth my soul keep them. And then verse 130 says, the entrance of thy words giveth light. It giveth understanding unto the simple. So the entrance of the words of God into our life gives light, and it gives understanding. So how do we allow the Word of God entrance into our hearts? How do we open up our hearts to allow the Word of God into it? First of all, we've got to read it. We've got to read it. And uh, those who say, well, I, I kind of know the Bible real well. I don't need to read it. Uh, we, need, we need to know, remember Jesus said, give us this day our daily bread. Remember what Jesus then said also? He said, uh, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. 
more than we need our physical food, we need the daily consumption of the Word of God. Do we read it every day? I know the Bible doesn't say necessarily that we have to read it. There's not, thou shalt read the Bible every day. But, friend, if we're going to get the Word of God, how are we going to do that without reading it, without getting it, getting it into our hearts? We've got to read it. We've got to meditate. We've got to meditate on it as well. We've got to meditate on it. We've got to think about it. Psalm 1 and verse number 1. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. So I know that a lot of us have jobs and we have other responsibilities. I get that. It's not to say that, you know, oh, I can't do my job because i got to think about the scriptures. But while we're doing the job, uh, our brains are actually able, able to think about multiple things. And uh, we can be thinking about the word of God. We can be thinking about what we read uh, that morning. And as we think about the word of God and we uh, dwell upon it, it, it becomes part of us. It, it comes and stays inside our hearts. So we must read it, we must meditate it, we must memorize it. I've already mentioned Psalm 119, verse 11. Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. Uh, the word of God is essential for us to hide it in our hearts uh, so that we avoid falling into temptation. And it was Jesus as he faced the temptation of the wilderness. Remember, he, he combated those temptations with the scripture that he had memorized. And then, of course, we must obey the scriptures. If we're to allow the word of God to have interest in our hearts, we have to read it. We have to memorize it. We have to meditate it. We have to obey it. Acts 17, verse number 11 says this about the, uh, the, the, the people there in Berea. And uh, when we were in uh, Montana, the church that we were part of was Berean Baptist Church. And uh, some of you have heard that church name before. And it's based on these people here in Acts chapter 17, verse 11, says that they were more noble than those in Thessalonica and that they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily. I guess that's one of the uh, verses that you could use uh, to point to reading the Bible. But the problem is these Bereans at this point were not all saved. But uh, they searched the scriptures daily whether those things were so. Uh, God's will for my life, as I mentioned, is to be the pastor of Cornerstone Baptist Church. If it were my will back when I was in ninth grade um, that would have come to pass, I would be in the NFL right now, the National Football League. Now, hopefully not making loser political statements, uh, but uh, my plan, uh, my big plan was to be a professional football player and uh, Julie is saying I would not have married you so I'm glad that that didn't work out at least that's the right thing to say right here right now right <laughs> um, well in in high school in in my freshman year right before it started I was part of the football team I wanted to be part of playing football in high school and so I went out for the freshman football team I made it 
on the B squad, <laughs> which is kind of like the, uh, we don't want to, you work so hard, we don't, we feel bad not to let you play at all. So you're going to be on the B squad. Uh, I made the B squad, which is not the A squad. So, um, and they didn't have a C or D, so it was the last squad they had. Okay. I, obviously, I wasn't very good. I wasn't very fast. I even lost to a couple girls in a race this morning after church. Do you remember that, Harper? Yeah. We raced after church, and I lost to a couple girls. Um, so obviously, it was not within the will of God for me to be a football player. But when I was playing freshman football, I was, the wide, I was a wide receiver. That was my position. And uh, I, I enjoyed catching the ball, and uh, that, was, that was my deal. Now, when it comes to... When it, Luke, go ahead and come on up. I mentioned that to him earlier that I might have him come up. I'm going to have him come up. Okay, so I have, a, I have a football right here. Okay, you're going to be the quarterback, and I'm going to be the receiver. Okay, maybe you stand right over there, and I'll stand over here, and hopefully we don't break anything. Um, all right, now here's how it's supposed to work. Go ahead and throw the ball to me. Look at that catch. Professional. Okay, I know. I, I, I maybe did miss my calling. No. Um, so that's the idea. A, re a quarterback is supposed to throw the ball, and the receiver is supposed to receive the ball, catch it. Um, I always say, and, and uh, my, my receiver coach when I was in, in high school would say, if you can touch it, you can catch it, and there's no excuses. So if, you're, if your fingertips can touch it, you better make that catch, buddy. You better dive, you better jump, you better do whatever you can do to get that ball because if the receiver or if the quarterback puts it within touchable distance, uh, you, better, you better come down with the ball. Like there's no excuse. Um, so the quarterback throws the ball. Go ahead. And the receiver is supposed to catch it. Look at that. By the way, in case you're ever wondering, the way you're supposed to catch it is kind of like that um, uh, with your hands, not your arms, not, your not hitting the chest. Because if it does that, it's going to hit the pads and, 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 and bounce off, right? Um, so you're supposed to catch it. Now, here's the thing. When it comes to the Word of God, let's assume, and, and this, is a, this is a bad illustration in this regard, the, the Word of God is going to symbolize the, the football, okay? And, uh, and the Lord is trying to get the football to us, the Word of God to us. And uh, the Bereans, what did they do in Acts 17? It says they received the word with all readiness of mind. And in other words, they were all in. And so as the word of God was coming at them, they received it. Got to work on that spiral, son. Um, he actually it can throw it pretty good. He's just trying to be careful. Um, they received it with all readiness of mind. So they were focused on the ball. They were focused on receiving it and, and uh, putting it in their heart. But here's how a lot of Christians do it. They're not already go ahead and throw the ball. And so they're not really paying attention. And so they don't, they don't have the word of God come in their heart. They, they're not receiving the word of God with all readiness of mind. Okay? And there are some Christians who, when the word of God is preached, or they're reading the word of God, and, and, and something that comes across that contradicts the way they're living or the way they want to live, here's what they do. Go ahead and throw the ball. I don't want it because it contradicts and it's going to make me uncomfortable if I receive it. It's going to make me change something in my life. 
and uh, I'm Baptist, so I don't change. <laughs> See, and that's, that's the way a lot of Christians are when it comes to truth. They don't want it. But go ahead and get the ball if you would. And right from there, see if you can throw it all this way. Boom. That, and I didn't catch it exactly how I was supposed to, but I caught it. Okay, you can be seated. Are you like the Bereans when the word of God is preached? When you're reading the word of God on your, on your own in your devotion time and you come to something that goes, hey, uh, something needs to be changed in your life. How, how do you respond to it? Do you bat it down and say, no, not, not here, not now, not me? Or are you like the Bereans who receive the word with all readiness of mind? In other words, are you like, man, bring it to me. I want to know. I want to grow. I want your word. And if something in my life needs to be changed, man, let me know. I'll change it like that. Because I want to be pleasing to you, God. Or are we like the uh, person who beholds his face in a glass, as James says, sees what manner of man he was and forgets what, or forgets what manner of man he was and goes his way? Um, God wants us to be a knower of the word and a doer of the word. And when you are in and you and I are in God's word, God's word then is in us, then it will help us then to maintain the right attitude uh, that we find here in Psalm 40 in verse number 8, where we delight to do. Uh, it'll help us to maintain the right attitude. It will help me to maintain the right actions. It'll help me stay doing the word of God, will of God for my life. And it will help us to maintain the right authority to allow him to continue to guide and direct in my life. Psalm 37, verse 31, we'll end with this verse. If you want to go ahead and turn over there real quick. Psalm 37, verse number 31. says, the law of his God is in his heart. And when that happens, here's the promise. None of his steps shall slide. You're probably familiar with the, the, the phrase backsliding, black backslider. Um, in order to avoid backsliding, we have to have the word of God in our heart. And when we do, it'll also help to maintain the right attitude, the right actions, and the right authority. When we have this anchor, the right anchor of the Word of God in our hearts. I was wondering tonight, Miss um, Pat, I was thinking about playing a, a, singing a song tonight that's not on the order of service, 611 in your hymnal. Um, if you want to grab a hymnal tonight, Brother Blake, if you might, wouldn't mind uh, coming and leading us in this song. It's take my life and let it be. 6.11. As they're preparing to play that, the first verse is, Take my life, let it be. Consecrated, Lord, to thee. Take my moments and my day. Flow in ceaseless praise. Let them flow in ceaseless praise. Second verse, take my hands. Lord, let them move at the impulse of thy love. Lord, I want you to take my feet and let them be swift and beautiful for thee. Third verse, take my voice and, and let me sing, Lord, always only for my king. Take my lips and let them be 
filled with messages from thee. Verse 4, this one's a tough one. Take my silver and my gold. Not a mite would I withhold. Take my intellect and use every power as thou shalt choose. Ah, oh, no, I've got a lot of intellect. I need to go and do something big to make me a lot of money. No, here the prayer is, take my intellect and use every power as thou shalt choose. It's your will, not mine that, want, that needs to be done. Verse 5 continues that thought, take my will and make it thine. It shall be no longer mine. Take my heart, it is thy own. It shall be thy royal throne. In the, in the last verse of this song, take my love, my Lord, I pour. At thy feet, it's treasure store. Take myself and I will be ever only all for thee. What a tremendous song of prayer uh, for the Lord. And let's, uh, let's sing this together. Let's sing all six verses of this song. Uh, you can remain seated as we sing, Take My Life and Let It Be, page 611 in your hymnal. Take my life and let it be consecrated to thee. Take my moments and my days, let them flow in ceaseless praise. Let them flow in ceaseless praise. Take my
together. Lord, we thank you for this evening to uh, look at this passage of Scripture, and particularly uh, this verse, uh, Psalm 40 and verse 8, where the Lord Jesus, his legacy was that he delighted to do your will, and that the Word of God was in his heart. Lord, certainly in that way, he is our example. He is our uh Lord, someone we should follow his steps. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to also delight to do your will, O our God. And uh, Lord, I pray that the word of God would indeed be in our hearts, that would help us to have that right attitude, that right, uh, those right actions, and to help us to have the right authority in our life. Help us to have that anchor of your word in our hearts. And uh, Lord, I pray that you would help us all to do the will of God for our lives, that when we look back, we'll say, I wasn't perfect, but I can see that I did the will of God. And uh, I pray, Lord, that that would be the case for all of us. And uh, Lord, if there's, we've gotten off track on that, I pray, Lord, that tonight we'd make the decisions to get back on track and that we would allow you to have your will done in our life. And our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed tonight. Um, I do want to ask the pianist to just play through uh, just a verse of this uh, song, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. And uh, as she does, I want to just invite...